Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I talk about the Matisse Thibel situation and his ineligibility to play in Toronto. We then dive into a brief mailbag talking about topics like the staggers, the overall state of the Sixers offense, and whether the game slowing down in the playoffs can help alleviate some of these concerns. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined as always by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, a part of the Athletics Podcast Network. How you doing, buddy? Dog days coming right down to the end. I, I'm doing fine, man. There's just a it's a lot of games at the end of this season. They, they need to space this out a little bit better. I mean, the Sixers. Thank God this is almost over. I mean, they haven't had more than a day off for forever, and they've had a bunch of back to backs, including one. This weekend. All right. It's it's almost over. Almost playoffs are almost here. It is. Uh three games and four nets to close out. Like you said, there is the um back to back to end it. So we will do rather than try to talk about a specific game, we will take a step back and talk do a uh, a mailbag podcast. Before we get to that though, there was a bit of news that we have to talk about. This came out after pretty much right when we hit the end button on our last podcast. Um so that's why we didn't talk about it in the previous one. But for, I guess, about a week, week and a half, um, ever since Tim Bontemps reported that the Sixers refused or declined to answer whether or not all of their players could travel to Toronto. Um, which, me- which meant somebody was unvaccinated. Correct. We got the answer of who it was. And, you know, I remember there was a lot of reporting way back at the beginning of the season that there were two players, Ben Simmons and another. And the reporting at the time was that it was a lesser used end of bench player. Well, the um, injury report came out for the Toronto game and Matisse Leibel ineligible to play. And he was the only player outside of the people in the G League who was on the injury report. So that sort of answered that question. I guess first I'll just say like I'm disappointed in Matisse. I don't have to respect his, his opinion. I have to respect the fact that he has the right to an opinion. Not all opinions are ones ones that I respect. I am disappointed in Matisse for the decision that he has come to. And that's all I'll say to that. Like, I'm not going to sit here and lecture for too long, but I wanted to mention that at the top. And it... I, I agree with that, by the way. Carries with it some logistical concerns, in part because you're probably going to play that team in the first round now. And look, I think of all the teams to lose Matisse Leibel on, that's one of the better ones, because quite frankly, how they would scheme around his non-shooting was worrying me a little bit. And in part because they don't have that many high-usage wings. Now, he would probably spend a decent amount of time defending Fred Van Vliet. Um, yeah. Not so much Siakam, because he's just so much bigger than him. Still, it's a it's, it's a loss. It's problematic. Yeah. You're right, though. It's less problematic for that team, just because they would prey on his weaknesses, and his strengths matter a little bit less. Although, like, look, 
last night they mattered. Yeah. <laughs> they couldn't yeah. get a stop at all down the stretch because uh, Tyrese Maxey was guarding Gary Trent and he can't guard Gary Trent when Gary Trent's making shots. So. And I guess there's a lot of people that were confused because I saw a lot of confusion online. Um, you know, how was he able to play in Brooklyn and Toronto earlier? Well, first of all, with Toronto, previously there was an exception for uh, professional athletes. That exception was removed on January 15th. And also previously they considered you to you, you have fully vaccinated status if you had tested positive for COVID in the past, I think it was 180 days. They removed that condition as well. So two conditions, either one, could have gotten Matisse into the country for the December 28th game, no longer applied for the current game. So that's why he was able to play previously when unvaccinated. Brooklyn and San Francisco there for a, a short time, their rules only applied to members of that team, of the Knicks, of the Nets. They did not apply to visiting members. That's why he didn't require the vaccination to play there. And then the Olympics which I think a lot of people just assume the Olympics required people to be vaccinated. They did not. Um, right from the IOC playbook, they said it basically it was encouraged, um, but it is not required to participate in the games. And the Is there an actual playbook that the IOC gives you? There yeah. is. There is. Hmm. I actually, uh, if, if you would have read my, my newsletter the other day, which now we know Rich doesn't, I, uh, I linked to it. I read I the newsletter. I just didn't pay attention to the playbook <laughs> part of it. <laughs> uh, and the Australian Olympic Committee did not require vaccination either um there was one comment one quote from an ioc member who said that all of the there's basically they were complaining about quarantining in australia after the games there was a 14-day mandatory quarantine in sydney and then an additional 14-day quarantine for, for people who are going back to south australia they were complaining that of those 16 or so people going back to south australia all of them were vaccinated and that was causing some confusion for people who uh, thought that meant that Matisse was vaccinated. No, Matisse Thibel right now is not vaccinated. And, and, and there also should have been a clue during the season. If you remember, he contracted COVID and he took a while to get back. That was during the Embiid run of COVID or whatever. He missed a little bit of time after that too, which should have been a tell that he was under the close contact rules yeah. of yeah. an unvaccinated player, which did not, apply to a vaccinated player that that should have been the tell then uh i'm actually kicking myself for not paying as much attention to that maybe i just was in the middle of uh omicron and we were uh we were being flooded with this kind of information and everything was very overwhelming but yeah you're right he's unvaccinated and uh here's the key thing moving forward they don't expect to have him if they play in toronto in the playoffs yep and by the way, they lost last night, so they have a good chance of playing Toronto in the playoffs. <laughs> they do. They do. Um, yeah. Uh, and look, I, I, again, saw some other people who were wondering, could that mean that he didn't get his booster? No, uh, Canada does not require a booster to get in. It is only either the second dose of a two-dose vaccine or a si single-dose Johnson & Johnson shot. They do not require the booster. And also they require 14 days after completion of the vaccination, again, either the second dose or the J&J &J shot, meaning that in order to play, I think they would be in Toronto by like the 22nd or the 23rd if they did play him in the first round for game three. He'd pretty yep. much have to get it today to have any shot of making the games in Toronto. And we have been given no indication that that has happened or quite frankly that it will happen. It's it was to like, you know, if you get the J 
J the J and J shot is not as good as the other shots too. So it's like you're just rushing it to to play. I mean, it just should have been handled a long time ago. It should've, just should have. It should have. Um, and then there was, I think it was Gina Mizell, who quoted Doc Rivers as saying, "We don't know who we're playing yet, so we'll just handle that when it comes." Well, you can't do that because it takes 14 days after the shot. You can't do it when it comes. You have to do it now to prepare in case you play Toronto. Which to me, if I read that quote, it's Doc Rivers telling me he's not getting the shot. Just tea and leaf reading. And I don't want to talk about it. So yeah. Just tea leaf reading, but that is where I expect it will stand. So I guess we'll just take a step back because they did just play Toronto without Matisse Seibel. Now, granted, uh, Toronto was out a couple players too. Ananobi, mm-hmm. Fleet. A couple Liner. important players. Yeah. How, what do you think happens? Do they start Danny Green like they did last night? Who gets the ball Definitely. for the minutes? How do you worry? How, how, how do you fix the defensive assignments? How? 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 Uh, it's going to be really hard. And I mean, you know, it's funny. Like last night's game was one of those where I say it's a good game. I, th- I thought it was an entertaining, fun game um, because I don't care if they win or lose. But Sixers fans tell me it's a terrible game just because they have less points than the other team. Um, I thought Siakam and Trent kind of played out of their minds, Yeah, frankly, <laughs> for a lot of the game. I thought Achua continues to play out of his, like, out of his gourd against this team. Him and Boucher, I mean, like, look, the Sixers, it's a bad loss. They shot, in, in some senses, they shot 53% from beyond the arc. Toronto shot 46. That, that shit's not happening in a playoff series. I'm sorry. Like, ne- neither of those are happening. Um. I think they do start Danny Green. He played really well last night on the offensive end. And I think you see, um, you know, there were some concerns about the turnovers for sure. Embiid had some. Uh, I thought he had a he had an interesting game. Um, you know, I think they they start Green and they they bump everybody up. They bump Shake up. But the so here are the issues with that though. Danny Green played. He played 39 minutes in last night's game, and I, I thought he was excellent. It was one of his better games of the season. Uh, made a ton of threes. Obviously, that that helps. He can't play 40 minutes a game in the playoffs. He's going to get hurt. His, his hamstring is not able to, or, or whatever he's still dealing with, he's just going to wear down over time. He's like a 20 to 25 minute per game guy. That's one of the big issues with Matisse being out like it's not just that oh well he might not fit because nurse is going to scheme against him offensively it's because you have to move everybody else up from this thin bench and shake played pretty well in that game but uh, you know of course that's kind of a night-to-night thing does Maz get a chance those are uh those are the issues defensively i don't know i don't know it's uh you know i think i think you would put him beat on siakam in the playoffs like i think that's that's how you got to go about it. Maybe a little bit of Tobias, but that's going to be a really hard series. Yeah, it is. Um, and it's it was already going to be tough because of the way Toronto can defend and the way that they have always sort of pestered Joel Embiid and the way that they can neutralize James Harden better than most teams can. And I think we certainly saw that last night. You know, I think you had a, a good piece today where it's like, Nick Nurse came out and he was his aggressive normal self and that sort of played into James Harden a little bit because James Harden is so smart. But once they played that a little more straight up and switched a little more and relied on their primary two defenders more, 
and then still used a lot of that active defense behind that for Joel Embiid after the switch, they did a better job. And James Harden, you know, if, if you were if you were a Sixers fan who didn't think last night's game was fun, it probably came down to James Harden and his continued struggles shooting the ball and beating, in this case, Press Achua off the dribble. That's fair. I'll, I'll give him that. That was not fun. That was, it hasn't been fun in quite a while. It is fun watching him pass the ball. Like some of those, a lot of those assists weren't like Ben Simmons, like assists. Like they were, no. he was, he still creates really good. Like you're talking, you know, Paul Reed rolling the basket and a skip pass to the corner to George when, when the defender comes down to help, like he, he can see those in his sleep. Boy, when you ask him to, I think again, the way you phrased it, when you ask him to use his physical tools instead of his mind, it isn't super <laughs> exciting to watch right now. And I'm gonna, we're going to try not to get do that podcast again because we just did it. Well, here's the good news, by the way. I'm happy this isn't happening in January where we'd have to be like, oh, I wonder what this is going to look like for the playoffs. Because obviously this hamstring, maybe the week off will help him get better a little bit and He'll get a little bit of that juice back. He won't be playing any back-to-backs. We've talked about how many games the Sixers have played over the past couple of uh, weeks, honestly. But I'm just happy the playoffs are here because we we don't have to be like, ooh, I wonder what it'll look like. They'll be here, so we'll get to see what it looks like. And uh, I don't know. I I think that's a little better. And the good thing is Doc's already playing him at a a playoff workload, 40 minutes every night. I'm sure that's perfect for the hamstring. So we won't have to worry about ramping that up. Over the last seven games... 38 minutes per night, 17.3 points, 11 assists, 34% from the field, 31% from three. And obviously he makes up for some of that with the free throws, but uh, uh, like if, yeah. if you get him in those switch situations, uh, I mean, honestly, when he's in the half court right now, again, we, we won't go too long. Enough. When he is in the half court trying to score at the basket, I don't think the shot is going in. Like, no, I think it's like a 20% shot at this point. And I'm talking like, Fairly easy layups, too. That he just has no touch on, no burst, none of that. So, Nick Nurse, I know you want to do the triangle in two and all that crazy stuff. If you just switch, uh, you know, I don't know. I think, by the way, the, the crazy stuff works against Joel. So, that's kind of the yeah. balance the yeah. Raptors are going to have to strike. Because he scored 30 points last night. And, by the way, B-Ball Paul, those minutes were a disaster. I, I don't care that he looked a little more alive, like, Call it like it is. Stop losing by a point a minute when Joel's on the bench. Yeah, Joel I, was ten of ten of twenty two from the field, and he had five turnovers. So they need him to be better than that. Unfortunately, that's that's his standard now. He's got to be better than that. Yeah, and I I tweeted that you know he finally put in a young backup big. It was the wrong one, but he put one in, and I got some people saying, "Oh well, Charles Bassey didn't make the trip," and I'm like, "I know, I know that. I know he was he's in the G League and he's hurt right now a little bit." But the one that they ev- Doc eventually turned to, eventually used to change things up, I think is the wrong one, both short-term and long-term. Would have yep. liked to have seen them try Bassy out a little bit here over the last couple of weeks or months, but it it is what it is. I don't know. As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using the BetMGM lines to make all our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TABasketball and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TABASKETBALL. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. In partnership with Kansas, Crossing Casino and Hotel. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone else close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at one 866 2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge sports betting is void in georgia hawaii and utah and other states where prohibited promotional offers not available in nevada and new york don't forget if you haven't signed up for bet mgm yet use the bonus code ta basketball and you'll get a one year subscription to the athletic plus up to a one thousand dollar first bet offer on your first wager well uh, we'll go back to that a little bit do you think that was doc being just finally fed up with deandre like do you think this is going to be more than a one game thing might be. I think he saw how bad DeAndre was the two games before. And I wonder if somebody like Dan Burke got in his ear. But I mean, Paul Reed. And look, I think we have mentioned this along the way. And this is also true with uh, with DeAndre. Harden is not good enough right now to carry those yeah. units without Embiid. Like when you trade for him, you think, Okay, he's going to score all the points. He's going to do it himself. He is not even close to doing it by himself to the point where I know this is one of the questions. People are wondering, hey, maybe you go back to the Tobias and Maxi play with whoever the backup big is. And I, I'm frankly all ears on that because Harden, that the numbers on that are a disaster. I mean, I think they're getting Harden without Embiid is like minus 10 per 100. It's, it's in that neighborhood. And it, it stinks. It, it looks like, like it, that too. Yep. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to the mailbag portion. And we'll try to keep this relatively short because there is a game coming up here in not too long. And we don't know if they're playing the Raptors. They might not. They might we'll not. See. They might not. Um, this one. I think I think they are, but we'll see. This one right off the bat. Should Doc play Embiid and Harden together more instead of staggering and let Maxie and Harris run a second unit? Yeah, I would give it a shot. I would too. I would too. Um, just because I think it's mostly because James Harden just looks like a version that I enjoy watching more when he's playing with Joel Embiid. It's not perfect, but I think when he is playing with that backup unit, he does try to do a little bit too much. If I'm going to ask one person to try to do a little bit too much, probably Tyrese Maxey at this point. Yeah. So yeah, send send those two to that second unit. Let Embiid and Harden build a little bit more. Their chemistry's fine. I say I almost said that out of habit. Their chemistry's fine. But maybe he's, even play Harden five fewer minutes and see if maybe he can get a little more burst just by not playing 40 a night. I don't know. I, I'm not a, a doctor. I don't know how hamstrings react. But right now, it's not reacting well. So what the hell? Change it up. I agree with that. But they also don't have the bench players that Oh, no. I get Warren. pissed off every time the bench players are in. I have, look, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. And, and by the way, Doc gets a lot of shit for this. If Harden can't get by a switch one-on-one, I mean, you take whatever coach in the league, you're not winning anything with that, uh, with with this crew that they have right now. Yeah, I, I would go with it. I mean, you even saw a little bit in the Toronto game. Harden with, MB just opens up so many more passing 
angles for Harden. Like I use the quarterback analogy in my piece today. He's the guy, you know, Harden is the guy right now. He wants you to blitz him so he yeah. can pass and beat yep. you with his brain. Embiid in that analogy is like, you know, Harden's Tom Brady. Embiid is grunk. You know, he's the guy who gets open at all times. And you even saw it a little bit against that crazy Raptors defense. You know, Joel shot 10 of 22. Harden hit him over the top for just the easiest, like, layups and and dunks you could see. He did it at least two times. He might have done it three times. And that's the Raptors' uh, frenetic style backfiring against them a little bit. Harden's the only guy on the team who makes those passes. 100%. Tobias ain't making that pass. I, you know, we talked that, like, I, I saw Hanlon tweet, oh, George Niang can make that pass. George Niang can't make that pass yeah. either, too. Uh, so Harden is really the only guy who can make that pass. And, uh, yeah, so I, I would give it a shot. The numbers with Maxie and Harris were better. They went away from it because the catastrophe against Milwaukee. And I don't know. It's... It, it, I, I, I do feel for Doc a little bit here in that he's searching for answers and there, there might not be any good ones, unfortunately, if Harden is uh, is playing like this. But yes, I would go with that. I'd tell Maxi, just be the guy you've been whenever Embiid has not played in games this year. Shoot every time down the court. Pray that the other team misses shots and, and hope you, you get through those six or seven minutes okay. Yep, I agree. Right now, James Harden, Harden's biggest selling point on this team is that he makes Joel Embiid even better. Uh, maximize yep. that. And you're right. Just a entry pass. It was like, Oh my God, how, how many, how many years did we just sit there and go, well, the only one who can throw it is Ben, but Ben's guy's always in his lap. And you know, Tobias, you're, you're right. Never makes that pass. It is nice just to have it. Then Harden makes high degree of difficulty passes too. And he makes the routine look routine, which is really welcomed on this team. Even really. in his diminished state, he does yep. that. Yep. But one last thought on this too, Embiid, if they do play Toronto, the catch the ball, the nail, the delay action, all of those things, I think that has been a boon to his game. I think in most playoff matchups, that's something the Sixers are going to have to go to a lot. This is the one team I don't think that's going to work against. I think it's got to be post-ups. These guys are smaller than you. Fight for position, pick and rolls, yep. seal. You can't do this by yourself. You're going to need a pass uh, because you can't, like, honestly, he can't shoot 10 of 22 with five turnovers against that team. He was not the reason they lost the game, but they need him to be even better probably to win to get over their other deficiencies. This one from Andrew Bernstein. Does the game slowing down in the playoffs help alleviate some of the concerns of the team? Transition defense, lack of athleticism, etc. I don't think it really does. Um, no. First of all, the lack of the athleticism shows up in the half court defense in a big way. So that doesn't really help. And the transition defense, you know, I, I think I, I don't remember if I wrote about it or said about it in a recent pod. The game doesn't really slow down all that much in the sense that there are far fewer transition opportunities. There are fewer. It's not substantially so to the point where it's going to be a major factor in a playoff series. Where the game really slows down is when those transition opportunities are stopped the half-court offense is slower than a half-court offense in the regular season. So you're still going to have to be able to get back in transition. You're still going to have to be able to move your feet to defend in the half-court. I don't think there's... Yeah, I still worry. Those concerns are mostly still there, for sure. Yeah, I don't have much more to add to that. I just think, uh, you know, the hope is that you get hard and healthy and... He and Embiid. I mean, the Sixers do have a very good half-court offense with Harden. 
take that for what it's worth. I think they are. That's that up here. They're third in points per play on cleaning the glass since Harden was here. Doesn't always feel that no. way, but I mean, if you do have MB and Harden in that pick and roll, I, I guess the hope would be that, you know, some of these other teams that catch you with, you know, their, their continuity offense and you keep bungling all of these switches that I, to me, the, the hope is that when you play an opponent seven times in a row or less, whatever, you just get more locked into the scouting report and you could take away the easy stuff a little bit better. I, I do think you're right. I, I do think it's more on the defensive end that I am concerned with that. I think e- even with hardened struggles, like I, I think they could score again on teams. I think they could score on the Raptors. They showed it last night. Uh, but can you get stops? Tyrese Maxey, who's awesome. He was so good in the uh, second half of that game is just going to be a target on defense and you're going to have to work around that as well. So, yeah. 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 And the defense is oh, so good. He was so good. He was so good. And especially following up the previous performance. But that's part of it, too. Like, as frustrating as Harden was. And look, there's, on the one hand, like, frustration with Harden, but it's also just concern. It's concern that, like, him being great was your pathway to being a championship contender, and you don't know if you're going to get that back. But sort of lost in that is they were atrocious defensively. Transition, half court, either way. They were atrocious, and for the most part, they're atrocious on a pretty regular basis. So, yeah, I think I, I do think we sort of overlooked the defense from last night, in part because, I mean, the Harden thing is just so front of mind, which I get. Uh, Remy, but he had, he had 15 assists in two turns. Oh, his like, passing was incredible. Incredible. Um, am I concerned of what that'll look like if, if Nick Nurse gets less creative? Yes, but the offense overall was not the problem. It's funny when you say if he gets less creative, because in order to stop James Harden, Nick Nurse would have to be less creative than he normally is, which is, I think, yeah. true. I think true. Uh, Remy asks who who would replace Matisse on road games. They faced Toronto in the first round. Um, he wanted to know both our choice and Doc's choice. I think it's mostly the same. I think I would go Danny Green, and I think Doc will go Danny Green. My only real change is I wouldn't play Danny Green as much. Um, I don't think he's going to go George in that series just because of their their the way they play, their perimeter play. George... I mean, I think the week off might do him good. He's looked really, really slow the past couple of games as well. Uh, and look, I, I still think he warrants playing 20 minutes a game on this team, especially. But yeah, I mean, they like every starter played between 37 and 39 minutes in that game. You know, I know Shake played really well offensively. I mean, he was a minus 17 in 18 minutes, so you know, whoop de do. Yeah, probably playing Danny less. I mean, I, I don't know. Does Corkmaz get into the rotation in those games? Those are those are the issues. If you are able, the thing is too, I, I would expect Matisse against a team like Toronto. I'd expect half of the games for him to not really be a big factor, and Doc playing well to four. But there might be games where Nick Nurse leaves him wide open, and he makes two of his four threes, and he gets a couple dunks, and then guess what? The defense is a lot better because yeah. he's playing right now. Heva, real quick, I, I've kind of seen a lot of media all-NBA bouts. Are you surprised? Matisse is pretty unanimous on an all-defense team, I feel like, on a lot of them. you surprised at that at all? A little bit. Just because the Sixers, what are they, right about 10th? 10th in defense, yeah. somewhere in that range. They have not been certainly as good as they were last year. Uh, we can all figure out why. And teams, especially for role players, team success is a big part of, of that vote. 
Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit, and quite frankly, I just don't feel like his defense has been as consistent this year as it was last year. Yeah, it's a little surprising. A little surprising. I feel like last year there were like 10 or 12 games where he completely took the game over with his defense. Yeah, and he, he doesn't have the signature moments this year either. Yeah, this year has been like, he's probably done it like three or four times. I remember one of those Boston games, he shut down Tatum and, and Brown. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, whatever. All right, last one here from Big Daddy Potluck. Am I crazy? Am I crazy thinking the Sixers are actually trending towards a better postseason offense despite Harden's scoring slump? It's the best half-court offense they've had since Embiid era started, and Harden gets guys open looks in crunch time offense. Well, I said the stat that they're third in half-court offense since Harden has been here. I, I, I can't go as far to say they're trending in a positive direction. May they be okay? May the, the playoffs turn out to be a different game? I do think it might be a different ball game for a team like Toronto. Like I, As crazy high-scoring as that game was last night like I think that would be more of a slugfest type series if the Sixers played them but I, I can't say they're trending in the right direction right. I don't know part part <clears throat> part of that third ranked offense you referenced was that they came out gangbusters yeah. at the beginning of Harden's Harden era but I mean look the offense more often than not overall is fine especially when Embiid the starting lineup is on the floor it's really good and this goes back to what we've been saying a lot. The problem is there's just so little margin for error that really good. There, well, there's two problems. One, really good isn't always enough. And two, James Harden's kind of scary. <laughs> like, and they're still good while also being scary. And a big part of that, a monster part of that is that next contract. And how he's going to age, and the fact that you thought you had one, you know, two or three years of really contending, and now people are freaking out because they don't know whether or not that. Like we always thought that the, quite frankly, easiest way I can say it, the way James Harden looked, and the way that I had to talk about him, passing's really nice, really smart guy, getting him beat easy looks. That's the way I expected to talk about James in 2024, not in 2022. And that timeline being moved up, the fact that you have to kind of like squint to see an impact player rather than him just being an impact player, I think has a lot of people really freaked out. So again, when we talk about the offense so much, it's because so much is required of the offense to have a chance to compete and also because we're trying to project forward a little bit with James Harden and that's difficult to do right now. But I wouldn't, I, I would agree with part of his. This is certainly the best half court offense they've had in the Joel Embiid era. I just, uh, I'm with you. I don't know if I see it trending in the right direction. Do you think, I think the majority of people are going to pick Toronto in that series, by the way. Yeah, I saw, I think Zach Lowe called it a toss-up. I think. I, I'm calling it a toss-up. I, I think the Sixers will still win. Certainly, I think either team has a good chance. I don't know if it's true 50-50 toss-up or just both teams have a chance. But it's like, for a it's, lot of this year. It's uncomfortably year, close. A lot of this year, people thought of Toronto as the team that would just be a bitch to play against. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They're going to make your life hard, but the unspoken part of that is, yeah, they're going to make your life hard as you still win a series. You were always going to win the whole time. That's not what this feels like right now. Yeah. No, they have a, a real legitimate chance. They have a real chance. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Oh, I don't even. We don't need to even go there. We don't need to even go there. Um, no. It is. That's the good news about the playoffs. Like we're not going to have to imagine it. It's going to happen or it's not. 
couple games here. Two weeks. Where Harden takes Achua and Boucher and all the other big men that he struggled to take off the dribble. He just smokes them a couple times and all of these concerns, not all of them, they still can't defend and a whole host of other issues and have like one and a half playable bench players. But a lot of the concerns or at least a lot of the panic goes away. Uh, we just haven't seen that version of James Harden in quite some time. Anyway, here would here would be my real quick, by the way, the most important five days in Sixers history in a long time is what the hell is happening in recovery with James Harden's hamstring. First off, the second they they win the game, because they, they do need to win one of these two games to get home court advantage and the four seed. So like let's say they're they're playing against Indiana. Once they get up 30, he goes right to therapy and he doesn't come back until Friday. Seriously. Uh, well, technically, he certainly I'd... doesn't play. He doesn't play in the second game. Who cares? You get the four of the three seed, whatever. It doesn't matter. That's got to get right. <laughs> Do you think it, it really doesn't matter? Do you think they have a preference on the four? Because technically, you know, Boston has one game left. They're a half game up. Um, their one game is against Memphis. Now, Memphis has absolutely zero to play for. They're completely locked into the two seed. But if Boston theoretically loses that, the Sixers could be the three seed just by winning out. Do you think they have a preference? Like, do you think they, obviously the preference wouldn't be more than James Harden's hamstring, but we don't even know if that could be fixed. But do you think they would have a preference in the, the three or the four? Guess we'll find out. To me, I would not. I, I actually would, wouldn't mind throwing that last game to you just want, play the four. And as you much want as Miami Toronto, in the second round? Is that why? The goal here is to go as far as possible. If you get knocked out right away or you get knocked out in the second round, I, I, I think you have a better chance to, to keep going, but Look, I, I don't think it's a slam dunk, and I certainly think Toronto compared to Chicago is Toronto. You could lose Chicago. You're probably not going to lose. So, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see how it happens. But I, I would just add though, like it's an unnecessary game for Harden to play. That's the other part of this too. Like, get him rested up. the The best he has looked all season is when he had that month long break, and he came back for the Sixers, and he was shot out of a cannon for a couple games, and then it stopped. You're not going to have a month this time, but you have a week. Can you at least recapture some of that? That's what we'll find out. Sounds good. On that positive, uplifting note, thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. See you, man. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.